Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be watching and or listening to this. This is David Patterson live from Atlanta. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, we are continuing the series, The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. Cannot believe that we're actually at law 13. It has been a long journey, yet it's been a very productive journey. Uh, I'm excited today because I have someone uh, that is a little different from all the other coaches and authors that I've had. Uh, this gentleman uh, is someone that has worked in the educational system in, in Raleigh, North Carolina for quite some time. And I wanted to bring him on because his coaching is about leadership and modeling and, and what he does on a day-to-day -day basis. And so uh, I want you people, individuals, uh, audience to meet uh, Dr. Thomas Miller. Uh, Dr. Thomas Miller is the founder of Leaders Building Leaders. Uh, and he is based in Raleigh, North Carolina. And as I was doing some research online about who would be the right person to talk about this particular model, uh, Tom is the person that jumped up. So Tom, thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, this is great, David. Thank you for this opportunity. And you know, most importantly, thank you for the platform that you provide individuals to grow themselves. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's really great to um, see other leaders uh, communicating and collaborating because that's where growth occurs. You know, Absolutely. everybody else has great ideas. And if one person says one thing in one of the sessions, I, I could take that idea. I mean, yeah. that has extreme value. And so, you know, thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. Oh, my pleasure. I'm a, I'm a believer in collaboration. Uh, I believe you get more out of masterminding than being an individual. And there's enough content, resources, uh, money, uh, clients for everyone. And I believe the more that we work together, the strength in us, the clients and the people that we touch are the ones that benefit. So thank you uh, for saying sure. that and thank you for your time. Yeah. Leaders building leaders. Let's start from the beginning. Um, <laughs> how did that become a thought, a vision in your world? Tell that story. Wow. All right. Well, I don't know how much uh, live stream we've got here. So um, whatever the bandwidth will let us have, we'll just keep running. Yeah. If we have to do a part two, so be it. <laughs> so I love that question because I just actually thought about it. I just looked at the calendar and, you know, because I work in schools. And so the, the, the year for a school, like the fiscal year is July 1st to June 30th. Right. So so we don't have a real calendar like everybody else in the world. We just mm -hmm. wanted to create our own calendar. So we're just about to hit our six year anniversary. Uh, because we pretty much launched, you know, the first week of the July 2014. And here's how that happened. Uh, my end of the year evaluation in, you know, December or, you know, January, you know, 13, 14. Uh, my boss said to me, I'm not sure how to grow you. And I don't know how much longer I can keep you. Hmm. And I, took a, I, was, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> no. You know, working... I was working in a government entity. I was a state consultant for a charter schools here in North Carolina. Right. And, you know, at first I was offended, but, you know, I can look back on it. Now I know kind of what he meant. Mm -hmm. And so I had told him, I said, well, I don't think it's your job to grow me, even though now I know mm -hmm. that's not true because it is a leader's job to help other leaders grow. Leaders building leaders, right? So it starts right. there. And so at the time, I was actually just starting to get um, this minute with Maxwell. You know, I hadn't read a John Maxwell book, but yeah. I had one of his quotes. I love his quotes, right? This is right. And so all of a sudden, the daily minute with Maxwell changed. You know, the message was, do you want to impact more people? Do you want to change? You know, do you want to train? And I was like, yeah, I think I want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I called and, and, you know, talked to Mark Moffat, who's, you know, brought in a lot of people into the John Maxwell team. Yep, and absolutely. I was like, within like three minutes, I was in. I was like, you know, which is really important, everybody, because if you want to make, you know, impact, you've got to make quick decisions and mm -hmm. fearlessly and just go through it, right? Mm -hmm. So I joined this John Maxwell team for more personal growth. You know, for me, I just you know completed my doctoral program maybe a you know year or two before, and um, really didn't have anything kind of going that personal plan for growth, which the 15 laws of growth are. And hopefully, everybody's using it as that. That is a growth model forever. So after like a little bit of time and you know being in the John Maxwell team, I loved watching the show Shark Tank, and probably many of you are yeah. love that show. And it was a Friday night and I was still working in this, you know, government job and my wife and I are watching it. And, you know, Robert is up there and he's 
he's talking to this, uh, you know, doctor who has a practice, but she created this, um, it was called like the bumblebee or something. It was a way to give kids vaccines through a shot, but it wouldn't be a painful. And okay. he said, he said, are you going to quit your business, your uh, practice to run this business? And she said, no, he goes, well, then I'm out. And she was really taken back. And I just kind of looked at it. He said, he said, when I was a CEO, like I was, I had great ideas, but I was really comfortable. And then I got fired. And then I became uncomfortable really fast. Yeah. And I decided at that point that no one would ever dictate how far I can go in my life. I jumped off the couch, David, and I said, holy cow, that's me. That's me in this cushy government job. And I think I think we could do more. And so my wife and I grabbed a piece of scrap paper and we just started outlining, well, what would we need and what would the what would the business do and how do we pay for insurance? And we just kind of came up with a bottom line plan. And I looked at the date and I was like, well, July 1st is like 103 days away. I mean, maybe that's the thing. Right. And so after, you know, realizing what I need to do to keep my benefits to like August, I think like. July 3rd or so was my last actual official day of work. But in that time frame, I started to find models <laughs> to help me start and build my business. So it started with the John Maxwell team. And then I uh, went after, um, there's a group called SCORE here. And I think they're national, but it's, they're just retired businessmen that'll mentor you and help you through that plan. And pretty much every one of them, David said, um, you need to go back to your work and, and like, unquit like can you find a way to unquit and go back because you're not ready <laughs> okay and i was like no 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 i'm built for this this is my purpose i'm gonna do it and uh i still remember david my last day of work now if you can think of and we all have our stereotypes yeah. of being government yeah. working but Absolutely. i was pretty much the only person in the building on my last day mm. and i walked out of the building with this box like it was almost like it was out of a movie and i still remember like all right, well, here we go. And I just took that step out. And here we are six years later. I mean, we worked with hundreds of school leaders. We got to travel to Paraguay last year and work with schools with the John Maxwell team. Uh, I mean, I traveled a lot around the country serving charter school leaders uh, predominantly um, and really helping them, you know, navigate from success to significance, you know, whatever their challenges you know, might be. And, and so we've brought some folks on our team that we've got a grant writer on our team and we write charter applications and we do leadership training and we coach and we've been working, we've been building mastermind groups through this, you know, COVID-19 time, this quarantine time to help that collaboration, you know, going, because like you said, right. And this is exactly what you said. And I love this. If everybody caught this, David's a genius. He talked about content. Yeah. Content if content were king, every librarian would be rich, right? Everybody would be skinny, rich, and happy. Mm -hmm. It's not about content. It's about what you do with the content that is going to make the difference. And modeling, the law of modeling to me is a big part of that, right? Mm -hmm. We all have content inside of us, right? The curriculum of our life is content. Yep. So the curriculum of other people's lives can also be your content. And that's where the modeling piece comes in, you know, finding mentors and identifying people that are doing something that you would like to do better. And you just kind of lean in, tell me more and you ask questions and you start to follow. You know, so I, know I kind of went off track there, but that's how- No, 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 no. I was just about to say, that's great because there's so much to unpack in there. So I'm gonna build uh, chronologically. Uh, Shark Tank, great show. Uh, to understand the entrepreneurial mindset. Um, I don't know if people really understand this, but this is a perspective I have of another show. Uh, the Prophet, mm. uh, Mark Limonis, Limonis, that is a leadership show. Definitely. For me, that's a leadership show because he talks about communication. He talks about planning. He talks about strategizing. He talks about building relationships with people. Yeah, it's about business and, and there's personal conflicts and all those different things. But when you're looking for the gold, it always comes back to leadership. And that's something I would encourage people go back to season one, episode one, and just begin to binge. Yeah. Because not only does he provide good gold, you see his growth as a leader and how he handles situations from I'm the guy and I know what I'm doing. You need to listen to me to there is a better way to communicate the exact same thing. Yep. And, I and love that show 
and yeah. my kids watch it with me sometimes. And um, you know what is another huge show in my initial growth? Uh, you know, Dave was Hotel Impossible. Hotel yeah. Impossible. Okay. Yeah. Because I was a consultant and I wanted to learn how to be a better consultant in a short amount of time. Because consulting, right. honestly, is where 90% of our revenue comes from consulting, but it's mm -hmm. really draining and it's very mm -hmm. time consuming. So how do you do it really well? You know, um, Anthony, uh, he's he's a little hot-headed at times, right? So I don't always, you know, model that part of it, yeah. but I love how he's just able to say, look, here's your problem and here's a solution to the problem, but you have to own the problem and you have to grow to become the person who can solve the problem. And he said, I'll help you do that if you're open to it. Same yeah. like, you know, Marcus, but he puts his own money up, right? And Absolutely. he puts his own money. And so, I love the fact that he's yeah. in charge, but he grows people. That's his thing. Yeah, I love it. Good Absolutely. example. And I think part of the reason why he's effective is because of the fact he is invested. He's vested in this situation. Yeah. So you can't come back and say, oh, you know, this is not yours. You don't care as much. Oh, no, he, he cares. Trust me. Yeah. He it doesn't matter how much money he's made. He still cares about where those dollars go because of the background uh, from where he's come from. I wanted to ask you, you said something really important, um, and I want to set it up from the standpoint of um, my community is named Guiding Heroes. And part of the reason why I came up with that was because I think people need to understand how much influence that they have whether it's um, a mom with their kids, mm. whether it is um, um, a lady in her 30s or 40s that's about to start her entrepreneurial journey and needing to be connected in the community to the young man that's 23 that's getting ready to roll the dice and operate in the entrepreneurial world. Every one of them are heroes and heroes are leaders. Um, leaders should be equipped with the ability to make a quick decision. And you brought that up when you were talking about, um, am I going to go ahead and continue to make the jump or am I going to find a way <laughs> to unretire, right? Yeah. Um, what in your opinion is the model for making a quick decision? Because one of the things that people deal with is, uh, I don't feel confident in making the right choices or the right decisions but they're in a situation where they got to decide something in the next 30, 60, 90, 120 minutes. So I wanted to get Dr. Tom Miller's perspective of what is the model for making a quick decision? Yeah, there's actually a real easy answer to this, David. Okay. It's clarity on your purpose. Mm. If you're overwhelmed, you're underpurposed. Mm -hmm. You're just not clear about what it is that you're you know, supposed to be doing. So when you say like, Hey, I'm just not sure if this is the next step. You're right. You're not sure. And you need to get really sure about mm -hmm. what it is. Like, you know, what the, the best two days of your life is the day you were born and the day you figure out why. Oh, right? Right. Yep, remember out of, you know, a Jim Rohn or somebody. But yeah, that's that's critical. And I think that was huge for me when I realized, like, you know, the John Maxwell team, like, I never read a John Maxwell book. But I invested $5,000 to join the John Maxwell team like that. Right. That was not an issue. You know, he he gave me a vision. I never talked to John. I've only talked to John, you know, three times in, you know, six years I've been part of the team. It's been very short. But he his vision gave me a vision, right? It created clarity for where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So getting into the book, The Law of Modeling, it's hard to improve when you have no one but yourself to follow. Mm -hmm. um, you had, and I'm going to give you a specific quote uh, when I was doing some research that you said back in 2017 that I want you to share a little bit of the context around that. Sure. Um, it's hard to improve when you have no one to model it for you. So it's always important that we're always modeling. And so you were talking about a story with uh, the Yankees and Derek Jeter. Um, mm. and I think it was a Don Mattingly and mm. how Mattingly uh, basically worked with the young Jeter to talk about the importance of modeling because uh, you never know who's watching. Uh, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of 
having a model, how to choose the right model and operating from a perspective of modeling all the time. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that that, uh, you know, story is, you know, Mattingly was working with, you know, Jeter in like spring training and they were the only two in the stadium. And, he, you know, Mattingly said, jog it off because you never know who's watching. Right. right. I mean, you just never know. It's our job. And so it's interesting that you bring it up, especially during this time, right? The whole you know country and world is really going through some really challenging times. So I'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. But so you know, I I thought through this. You know, I'm a recovering gambling addict. I've got a I have had a lot of character flaws. And when I thought about this, like, well, how do you get out of it if you're only surrounding yourself with individuals who are doing the same stupid stuff that you are? Yeah. <laughs> And it comes with awareness, right? Mm. You know, the awareness of, I want to be better. I want to do something different. And so there was many people, you know, during my 10 years and hundreds of thousands of dollars I've lost, you know, who probably tried to stop me, right? He said, you should just stop doing this. But I didn't see them as the model that I wanted to be. In fact, I never even envisioned myself a day without gambling, right? I just didn't even mm. have that model. So when I got sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, I went to a Gamblers Anonymous group. You know, I had a therapist say, you got to go to this group because you're going to be around other people who have the same problem, mm-hmm. who are trying to get better. And you need to be around people like that. Yeah. You know, folks who model that they got out of the sludge mm-hmm. to whatever the next step is. Right. So I'm not saying everybody needs to go and be a gambling addict to get yeah, right. <laughs> everybody something. Right. So yeah. whether. It's your health or your wealth or your faith. Like there's people in your life, if you're looking for them, who can help you get there. And they're not going to say, I can help you. You need to say, hey, look, Mm. I love what you do. Right. Here's maybe my best example. I've got a big friend. Look like you're a pretty big guy, you know, and he's 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 big. He's six, seven. He plays ice hockey with us. Right. He was my boss. And we went on a man's camping trip. Everybody brought junk food and candy. And we're, you know, grilling on the fire. And he's cutting vegetables. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, this is, he said, I'm a vegetarian. This is what I eat. I was like, you are? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And at that point, like, I started to pay attention. Because I was like, gosh, if it's good enough for him, and he's getting good results, Mm -hmm. I should learn more about that. That's all it took. And at that point, I dropped like 50 pounds over the next, you know, six months just being wow. intentional. Wow. And he didn't even know that he was mentoring me. I was just asking him questions all the time. Tell me more about what you did. How do you eat this? How do you prepare that? Yeah. So you have to be in, you know, it's the law of awareness, right? Which is right. like one of the first, you know, couple of laws of this. So you have to be aware that you want something different and then you have to go find it. And your mentor could be in a book. Mm. It could be someone living. It could be someone on TV. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You have to be a good follower mm-hmm. to whatever that person's doing. Because mm-hmm. if you're not a good follower, it doesn't really matter because that mindset is a big part of your issue. Yeah. yeah. I think that one of the biggest challenges, though, is that people feel so overwhelmed with the gap, right? The gap between where they are in their performance or lack thereof and the vision of where they want to be and the potential of that. And to the point where they get so overwhelmed that they don't even start because it's kind of like, if I was going to walk from where I am now to you, and we were talking about before we turned on the camera was, it's warm outside. That walk (laughs) is even more complicated by the fact that trying to walk to Atlanta to Raleigh of 85 in the heat um, the, the pavement, all these different things. Now, I don't even want to start because of all the effort that I've got to put in place. And and who am I to think that I can do that? So why don't I just find something else? How would you encourage someone to just start? I, I know the answer is start, yet there's always this psychological block that people sometimes deal with that says, that, that journey, man, I, am I supposed to take that? And it's so overwhelming for me. Sure. Yeah. So there's a couple of really important points. We've already shared a couple. Get clear on your purpose, mm-hmm. right? Where do I want to go? Does I don't know how to get there. I didn't know how to run a business. I was a teacher. 
and a principal. I didn't have a clue about what I'm, you're right. I, and there's still many days I still don't know what I don't know, yeah. right? Yeah. But all that I need to know is what's the next step, mm. right? Dr. King said, I don't need to see the whole flight of staircase to get to the second you know, mm. floor. I just need to see the next step. And so you'll know whether your next step is right or wrong, you know, based upon the, the result that you get from that step, right? It's feedback. Right. It's constant feedback. So if I were, if you were going to come walk to Raleigh and I'll walk back with you, so that's a deal, but okay. you know, don't try to walk 24 hours straight. How about we start with five minutes today, 10 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. You start from where you are, you grow from where you are and you don't, you know, you, you, and that's the biggest problem. You just nailed it. People, you know, they're like, I'm going to lose weight. And then they go to the gym and they work out for an hour like a maniac and they haven't done anything for a year. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, it hurts and I'm sore. And they don't go back mm-hmm. because they're going too fast. You don't have to go fast. Just go forward. Mm. Just take a step forward. Don't worry about going fast. Just go forward. I, I like that. And, I like and, that. And be okay with failing forward. Like I felt like I didn't realize that John wrote a book called Failing Forward. I used to say it all the time. And I go, oh, he stole my book title. But that's <laughs> how I live. Like, it's really interesting now, you know, David, looking at my 10 years of, you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, being a gambler and the dumb stuff that I did and the manipulation and the, the, the like influence that I was able to, you know, gain through this, right? Because mm-hmm. it had all these lies and things going. Yeah. I would be a hypocrite if I said that hasn't helped me become a better consultant now. Right. Because to me, everything is doable. Everything can be figured out. I mean, there are 3D, 3D printing esophaguses, right? I mean, organ right. parts are being printed on a printer. Mm-hmm. If we can't figure out how to turn the school around, then we're not the people who should be trying, right? Correct. We can do it, right? I know we can do it. There's an answer. We don't have to have all the answers now. Just like with, you know, people trying to get back into school and what school going to look like. And, you know, we don't have to have all those answers now. The first day of school is coming. So every single day we can get a little bit closer. But we have to have that vision of what we want school to be, right? Safe, secure, right? We want anxiety-free. I mean, what can we do to put those parameters in place and make sure people know that? You know, it's interesting. It's a great segue to what John was talking about in terms of the worthiness of a model. And I think that uh, traditionally we have expected people that are modeling for us to have always been the one that wears the white outfit and has always been perfect in everything that they've done. And yet some of the best leaders are the ones that have their hands dirty because they understand what needs to be done. It's just that now we've got to find a better way to get to the goal and and operate more in integrity and responsibility when people see us as leaders. And so one of the things that it talks about in terms of a worthy model for a mentor is a good mentor is a worthy example. And you have been very honest about sharing your addiction. And there's something I want to ask you about that because there is a back-end story to that. Um, And so the specific question I want to ask you is, how did you let all that guilt and shame go? I'm I'm making an assumption that there was guilt and shame there. Um, There's always the voices, right, that say, Tom, you can't break this, or Tom, look at the, the, the... the, the destruction behind you. Look at all the money that you lost. And mm-hmm. it, it, it keeps you attached to something that prevents you from moving forward to being the leader and the model that people want or in need. How does somebody break that? Because there are people I know for a fact that will watch this and listen to this and say, yeah, Dave, um, I think I can make the commitment to break the addition. Yeah, Dave. Um, I can forgive myself with regards to uh, the decisions that I made because I'm I'm older and wiser and stronger, but I just can't seem to break the bonds of all the chaos and destruction I created because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, so it's one day at a time, first of all, right? Okay. That's how it starts. You know, I still have my 90 day, you know, piece. And, and um, so it's one day at a time 
you just know that, right? That's all they ask you to commit to, even if it's 10 minutes at a time. Okay. So you said the word attachments. Mm -hmm. Things that no longer serve you, you have to thank them for being in your life, but you have to say bye to them, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's not who I am anymore. And so when you're talking about this model of worthiness, charisma gets you through the door, but it's character that keeps you in the room. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, you know, we run this teacher leader academy. And the first story that I tell them is when I was a teacher, right, in the midst of all this, you know, gambling stuff, like, you know, I was always applying for that next job. I thought the leader was the person with the badge. I wanted to be the person with the badge that everybody looked up to that came into your school and told you what to do. And it's kind of funny that we had badges now and that's my job. Yeah. <laughs> but every time that I applied for these, you know, jobs, I would say, oh, good try. You know, you, oh, you know, you almost had it. And it was always going to someone else. And I got mad, like, and I left. And that's how I actually got into charter schools is I left the school system and went to charter schools. When I look back on it now, and I go to that quote, charisma gets you through the door, but it's character that keeps you in the room. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a person of character, and people can smell that, mm. right? I'm, I say I'm really good at it now. Like, I can pretty much, it only takes me a couple seconds to realize this person's up to something. Yep. Because I was a person with very low character for so long. So it's kind of like my, my super strength, maybe. So like if I can unpack that, it was kind of this realization of I have to let things go. I have to apologize. I have to make a commitment and then build trust through keeping my commitments to those that I loved. Right. Mm -hmm. And another piece is that you have to realize is that if I hurt you, David, I can't dictate what it's going to take for you to trust me again. I can't put you on a timeline and I can't say that I did X, Y, Z. That's your call, whether you trust me or not. And mm. I have to be okay with that. Mm. The only thing that I can do for myself is be the best me that I can be and then build that trust back over time. So that's a big one, you know, building the trust back, not feeling like everybody owes you something because you made this big step in your life. Good for you, right? Good for you, Tom Miller. Like I had to put my ego aside. It wasn't about me, even though it was still about me, even after I quit, right? It was about me when I was a gambling maniac and it was about me after I quit. And I had to realize it's not about you. Nobody mm. cares about you. Mm. You need to care about you first. Yeah. And then, and then you can get to that point where things can be let go. And uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, the other day, like I've been pretty vulnerable in my emails. You know, I'm I'm a white male, obviously, right? Yeah. And I don't, I didn't, I didn't understand my role and responsibility in this, right? Mm. I felt as though be the best citizen you can be. I live in a predominantly African American neighborhood, right? I've I've mm -hmm. worked with mostly African American, you know, schools, and yeah, yeah, do it. No. That's not who I was supposed to be. You said it, right? It's that worthiness of a model. I didn't realize that my role in this is bigger. Yeah. And so one of my former clients emailed me when I was, you know, she said, you know, I have never forgiven you for something you did seven years ago. I asked you to help me in a situation and, and you didn't. And I had to take that step and go like, I could certainly go like, well, I was told by my boss that I couldn't help you. Right. You know, yeah. the, you know, domestic situation, it was a principal that was, and she got arrested. Like, I think I knew she got arrested, but I don't, I could vaguely remember when she was yeah. emailing me. And I just, I said, I'm really sorry. What should I have done? Like teach me. Like, right. I don't know what I'm supposed to do because mm. it's not how I was raised, you know? Yeah. And I think when you say about like, we all think that leaders are this, you know, at the top and we're all leaders. Everybody who's listening to this, you're a leader. You lead because leadership is influence and you're influencing somebody. And I did not realize that my influence, like someone held on to something for seven years because of a decision I made. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to constantly be in that state of growth and being like, I don't know it all. And I'm, and I, and I'm making the best decisions based upon what I know, because that's how she responded was, yeah. I think you did what you knew what to do. I was just letting you know. And that took courage for her to say that. I'm glad that yeah. she did. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big part for everybody is as you're letting things go, like you have to be okay with 
you're still messing up. <laughs> yeah. And you don't always know it. Yeah. Right. Man, that talking about the five characteristics of a worthy mentor, uh, a good mentor is available. Mm-hmm. Backing into that, right, in terms of what it's not and, and us, awareness is a big thing. One of my favorite laws is the law of awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has helped me in so many ways and it's also brought a whole lot of pain because uh, it made me realize how unaware I was. It also made me aware of how powerful I could be. Mm. And so bringing all that together and going into the conversation about what's happening around us right now, uh, Tom, I think people really miss the point of just be available, be available for the conversation. I'm not saying you have to agree with me. I'm not saying that uh, we are even talking about the right thing. But we've got to start somewhere, right? And availability allows us to come to a table and have a conversation that's healthy um, and with bounds, yes, but also being honest about it and, and being raw about what their truth is, right? Um, and so Tom, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think a lot of it is just about availability and communication. What are you seeing in Raleigh uh, and more specifically in your uh, sphere of influence about Mm -hmm. the navigation of this? Because Dr. Tom Miller is someone that has influence. And so I'm sure they have looked and said, okay, what's Tom going to say? What's his statement going to be? Let's see, friend, foe, sideline. Everybody wants to put everybody in a box right now, right? What's your perspective on on that in relationship to communication availability and the navigation through all of this? Yeah, you know, that's a really great question, uh, David. Last week we had, you know, we host these Thursday calls for all the school leaders and we had uh, Clarence Henderson, who was a um, he's a civil rights leader from the Greensboro Four. They were arrested at the Woolworths, you know, back in 1960. And I had never talked to him before. Yep. You know, there's 50, 60 people on the call, and I asked them that exact question. I said, I, I don't know how to start. Mentor me and educate me. And he said, you just you, you just did, right? You just yeah. did. Just say to someone, hey, I got to ask you a, a question. I'm probably not going to say things right. It's not on purpose, but I need to learn as a white male, so I can be better for this community. Yeah. I can be better for my children. Uh, you know, cause I grew up in a very affluent, you know, suburbs area that there was only a few kids of, you know, color at our school and they were the smartest. They were like valedictorians and it, right. So it's just not something that I had any experience with until I've moved to Raleigh. And I've only been here since uh, 2012. So right. really I've never lived in a, um, in more of a diverse uh, community. So what's happening is, is that, right? School leaders are starting to have these conversations. We're starting to build some bridges and get some better communication and openness. And every time that I start any calls, we probably have a half a dozen calls per week that always is a mastermind or something to that effect. I'm just starting with, how are you? Right. Is there anything that anybody wants to talk? I'm not gonna hit the record button until we're good mm-hmm. because this is a place of safety and security. And sometimes, you know, people just need a place. And I did that on one of the calls, David. And this young woman said, she goes, you're the first person to ask me how I am. And that it just went from there. And I was like, whoa, okay. Now I'm, okay, I have a different role. Yep. It's my job to make sure we're relational first and transaction second. Right. If anybody's yeah. taking a disc, a personality profile, right? There's task oriented people right. and people oriented people. Yeah. We all need to be relational because that's what leadership is. It's all about mm-hmm. relationships. And if we could just start there and 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 come into it with open mind, and like you said, we're not going to agree on all of it. Right. But we have to understand where our beliefs came from. Mm. And and because beliefs drive your behavior. Mm-hmm. 
they were driving my behavior. And it's not that I have anything against anybody of any race. I just, I didn't really want to get involved. Mm -hmm. I was just like, Hey, I'm just going to do my thing. And you know, if someone needs help, I'm here to help. But I didn't realize like, no, Tommy, you're supposed to make the call. Yep. So one of my you know clients I've had for a while, I called her <laughs> and I left a voicemail and she called me back the next day. And she's always very, you know, task oriented. And she said, what did you need? I said, I was just calling to see how you were. And there was just silence. And she said, wow, my white friends don't even ask me how I am. And that's when I realized that, you know, we're not doing a very good job mm-hmm. and we need to be more focused on the people side of things and less worried about the transactional things because all that will work its way out. Right. It's all going to work its way out. Zig Ziglar said, you help other people get what they want. Yep. And in turn, you'll get, you know, they'll help you get yep. what you want. And, but right now I think that's my number one thing is just making sure that I come into any meeting, any conversation with a, how are you attitude? Not Tom has to say this attitude because that still comes in because my ego is giant, David. It barely fits the frame. And so that's hard, right? And and right. Um, so my wife and I have had some really good conversations and she's really good at holding me accountable to that and say, you know, you sound a little frustrated on that call. It's like, yeah, you're right. I need to go back and fix that, right? I don't want to end phone calls in a in a in a down tone right it's my job as the leader of our team to keep us going in the better direction not to be frustrated over our results because our results are just what they are they're just your results they're not your truth they're just your current results man it's interesting you hit three the other three um worthiness uh worthiness criteria of a good mentor uh, one being uh, proven experience, right? Mm-hmm. And talking about a Zig Ziglar um, from the relationship standpoint, uh, I, I would be remiss if we don't throw Jim Rohn in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that is more in the spiritual world because you're in North Carolina and he's someone that I would consider to be a digital mentor because I've never met him, but mm-hmm. he came to my awareness through connections that I have in South Carolina. Uh, is Dr. William Barber. Uh, mm-hmm. He is someone that's very influential in uh, the the poverty movement in helping individuals come out of that level of, of income and seeing the experience that he's had because he's basically been raised in the movement. Um, it's really under it's really interesting to watch his the health challenges that he has personally, along with dealing with the poverty conversation and now dealing with the racial conversation. It's something that's basically been his life. So he has that experience. And that's one of the people that I like to listen to and follow because I feel like one of the criteria is a good mentor mentor is someone that possesses wisdom. Mm. And I, I see a lot of wisdom with him. Zig brought a whole lot of wisdom. I'm glad to be in the Maxwell organization with you because God knows John brings a ton of wisdom. I mean, he's always spoken to my spirit for some reason. Um, and, and that's been a wonderful thing. And I think I want to make sure that people don't miss the point that uh, the books you read, the authors that you find commonalities with, for example, Brene Brown. I know a lot of people that love Brene Brown. If you read a lot of Brene stuff, Brene is your mentor. Uh, and Brene writes in a way that uh, really helps people with vulnerability and transformation. I think another individual is Mel Robbins. Um, and anybody that's listening to this, uh, do some research on Mel Robbins and the five second rule. Um, there is a one hour podcast on YouTube uh, where she is talking um, with the guy that did the uh, the school of success. Um, I cannot remember his name. I can see his face, mm-hmm. uh, but talking about the five second rule, and how we overcome the things that keep us uh, down when we're trying to work through to get to the next level. Uh, I love the fact that you mentioned your wife because that was number five, a good mentor provides friendship and support. And sometimes that support is critique, not criticism. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between those two things because critique is about helping people be better 
and supporting them through the process versus criticism is tearing down. And I think it's really important for us to check our ego about being right versus helping my brother Tom be better and say, Tom, I think that maybe if you presented it this way, it probably would have been more effective. Uh, and I think it's really important for us, like you were talking about, about the people that are around us, be very cognizant of the five closest people around you because they have a ton of influence on you. And you need to make sure that the people around you always have your best interest, even when they're challenging you to things and holding you accountable. Yeah. I mean, you can go back in your life into five year chunks and you can the books you read and the people you hang out with are 100 percent determining your success as a person. You know, as I work in schools, I tell kids in middle school and high school that all the time. Like, be very wary of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. You're their average. Yeah. Uh, it's Lewis Howes, The School of Greatness. Okay, I wanted Lewis to make sure I had that yeah. right. The School of you know Greatness. What, when you're doing a great job when, when the guest is, you know, writing down stuff. It's a wonderful thing. Um, so then the sixth one, the sixth criteria of a worthy model actually segues into coaching, which is what we do. Uh, a good mentor is a coach who makes a difference in people's lives. Um, I have a definition of a coach. The book has a definition of a coach. What is Tom Miller's definition of a coach from his perspective? Yeah. For me, a coach, a coach is really there to unlock your greatness, right? It's to help you to, to really see your own full potential through the questions that they ask you, mm -hmm. right? I think it was Socrates said that you'll, you know, your success will be warranted around, you know, the questions you're willing to ask and answer, right? So when you mm -hmm. think about a coach and a mentor, it's an ask answer, right? You right. ask mentor questions, the coach asks you questions to unlock, right? There's just all this questioning and listening is a big part of this, this availability piece. So for me, I mean, a coach, you know, unlocks you to your full step potential, helps you get unstuck. You know, someone asks like, when do I need a coach? I'm like, well, everybody needs a coach. The most right. successful people in the world all have coaches for all parts of their life. Uh, but you need a coach, especially when you're stuck, you know, and feeling stuck stinks. It's a horrible feeling when you're stuck. Yeah. Um, so, so to, so to have a coach and the coach is obviously not someone that, um, like a baseball coach, cause I do that. And they're right. not someone who's going to tell you the step by step of what you're doing wrong. They're there to help you identify the step by step of what you're doing wrong. Cause if the coach tells you what to do, they're not a coach. They're just a teacher. Right. Yes. And that was one of the things I wanted to bring up because, there's a distinction between a mentor and a coach. I feel like the coach is someone that helps with self-awareness. Mm -hmm. um, a mentor brings their experience and shares this with them um, to give some perspective on where someone wants to go. Um, yeah, that's it's also really important for a coach to think, uh, I don't want to project my experiences on you. I want to ask questions that help you self-discover. And, and my clients get frustrated sometimes because like, I just want the answer, just tell me the answer. And I'm like, my goal is not to make you dependent upon me. I do not want you to be addicted to my perspective of how to do things because what works for you might not work for me. However, it is important for me to ask thought-provoking questions to make you go inside to find the, the best goal that's inside of you because I believe that you're packed with everything that you need to be successful. You just need the right people around you and to be in the right environment for you to be able to bring that best forward so that you can move forward in the vision that you've held on for such a long period of time. Yeah, I mean, it really goes back to awareness, David, right? Mm -hmm. Every opportunity is there in the eyesight of everybody. To some people have a higher level of awareness to go get it. Yeah. Right. And um, so, you know, a lot of the principals that I coach, I hardly hear from them sometimes. <clears throat> and I'll say, hey, I haven't heard from them. They're like, oh, well, because I'll just say to myself, 
what question would Tom ask me for me to get to the answer? Yep. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm doing my job. But, you know, you're right. I love your distinction between a coach and a mentor. And you could also think of it this way. You don't really want a coach who is um, has like a specific niche, right? So I'm a charter school guy. Okay. But I can coach anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. But if I wanted to improve my charter school, I'm going to find a mentor who has incredible experience in charter schools. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's important for people to realize that mentorship is about the wisdom and the experience of what they've already done. The coach does. You, you just want to make sure they're a good coach, mm-hmm. a good coach who listens and asks effective questions. You don't want a coach to tell you stuff. Mm-hmm. If you got a coach who's telling you things, you need to rebuild your relationship. A mentor would be someone who may tell you some things. They also may coach you too. Uh, but but they're definitely there for the wisdom. You're you're really after them for for their wisdom and the difference between wisdom and knowledge, right? Is everybody knows right. that equation? Yep. You know uh, the equation. The equation. Yeah. So the uh, the um, wisdom and knowledge, right? What is it that uh, that uh, wisdom, right? Or knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. The wisdom is knowing that you don't put a tomato in fruit salad. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard that. That's the first time I've ever heard that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It caught me. Wow, that's Wisdom isn't always no, that's good. wisdom. So yeah. before you ask someone what they think, make sure they do, right? Make sure they've actually been successful in that area before you start asking them about Experience. Correct. what they do. Otherwise, you're just asking someone who's just as least successful or averagely successful mm-hmm. as you are. I think one of the other things that we should seek is referrals. I I think it's really important for people to ask others who are successful, who's influenced you, right? Who's helped you get where you need to be? Um, And and to add to that, we have to be okay with being vulnerable with people in saying, I don't know how to do it, yet I want to be successful, who is someone that can help me do that? Because I think part of the reason why we don't move forward in a way uh, to take those steps, that one little step, that five minute step, that 10 minute step is because we don't want to expose ourselves to be or or feeling less equipped to be able to do it. And all that is also is ego, right? We're protecting what the image is that we want to project uh, so that other people can see all the goodness in us versus all the weaknesses that we have based upon where it is that we want to go. So, so one of the quotes is in the book is self-evaluation is helpful, but evaluation from someone else is essential. That was a quote mm-hmm. by Andy Stanley um, here in Atlanta. And so continuing on in the book on page 12, 221 in the law of modeling, it says, the process of growing begins with awareness, like you've been saying. Awareness is it's really interesting because it seems like there's been so many interviews that have come up where the word awareness has come up, right? Yeah. Uh, the process of growing begins with awareness. You realize that you need help and that following yourself is not a viable o- option. Not following yourself is not a viable option because the hardest person for us to lead is ourselves. And yet, if we don't have a model that helps us understand where it is that we want to go, then we're probably never going to get where it is that we want to be. Um, This reinforces that people need one another. Nobody is a whole team. Yeah. I mean, it's powerful. It is powerful. Yeah. You just made me write down something. Um, You got to want to get off the island of just good enough. Oh man. You know what I mean? And I and I struggle on that island. I swim around that island a lot. And I think that's like that's where the awareness kicks in. Yeah. About yeah, that's good, but it's not where I want to be. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be there, but I'm here. How do I get from here to there? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, who's actually been there? Oh, David's been there. I'm gonna go ask David. David, mm-hmm. how did you get from here to there? Like, what were some of the actions you took? And 
you know, I mean, that's really what it is. But it, it all, to me, it all goes back to your purpose and your clarity and where you want to be. And, you know, you don't have to you don't have to know all the answers. You're not going to know all the answers. In fact, if you know all the answers, your goal wasn't big enough. Tom, I want to ask you something because you're around uh, minds that that are seeking development uh, and that we should be helping them become aware at a very young age. Um, two questions. One, um, how does someone find purpose? Um, where do they find that purpose? How do they identify that that's the purpose, that this is my purpose? And now, Tom, that I feel like that I have a vision around my purpose, how do I get myself in the mindset that I am worthy of that purpose? Mm. Because there are people that come from backgrounds that some of them maybe have never obtained their college degree. Um, I know there's not that many entrepreneurs uh, in my family. My mom is the 14th of 15 kids. Um, if there was three entrepreneurs, um, that would probably be a stretch or I'm just not well-educated, right? Um, how does somebody start the process of believing that they're good enough, that they're worthy of that vision that's come in front of them? Yeah. What a question. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of self-talk, right? Mm -hmm. You know, be careful of the words you say to yourself, right? Because it's the most powerful voice you'll hear all day. So I think one thing that we can do for youth or anybody who's really struggling with that is to validate them, mm -hmm. is to tell them all the great things that you see them doing, right? Because, I mean, really think about it. How often do we give positive feedback that's not like, you know, yeah. low level, like, good job, mm -hmm. right? And also remember that your life isn't their life. Mm. And, and, and so I think it sometimes as adults, right, we, we've been, well, this is what you should do, right? You should do this. Don't shoot on anybody. It's not your job mm. to shoot on people. It's your yeah. job to help people. Right. So, you know, ask them, get really curious about them. You know, like, you know, my kids are so deep into Minecraft and Roblox. Right. And at first I was like, oh, they got to get off their devices. And then my son showed me this mansion that he built in Minecraft. And I I watched him watch YouTube and he's watching, learning from the guy modeling. And then he's building it himself. I'm encouraging that. Mm -hmm. right? You got to encourage when you see people get interested in stuff. And in mm -hmm. schools, like we're doing a really bad job of like eliminating potential careers mm -hmm. for the sake of reading and writing and math. And I get it. That's important. Yeah. But the illiterate of the 21st century won't be those who can't read or write. It's those who can't unlearn and mm -hmm. relearn a new skill. And so we're just doing it. We're not doing a great job of, 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 of helping kids learn how to think, not what to think, how to think. Yeah. Right? So go back to the coaching piece. I mean, mm -hmm. you should be coaching everybody, asking them questions, not judging their answers. And, and maybe not even don't let them out of the question. But you say, hey, I know you weren't sure about what you want to be, but I'm going to ask you again. So keep thinking about it. Tom, I'm glad you said that because I want to make sure that people hear hear that i want to double down on that uh dr paul Sheely, um one of paul martinelli's i taught paul a lot in the interviews that i've done about him being a mentor and a coach to me um and that uh someone that guides him is uh dr paul Sheely, and, and people should do some research on uh, mm -hmm. dr paul um he was talking about the difference between socialized thinking and self-actualized thinking uh, the, the, the difference between being told what to think and how to think. And that's going to be so critical moving forward, because when you said we've got to unlearn and relearn, right, the, the programming that we've been receiving from the moment we came out the womb, the programming began. Yeah. And, and 
it's not right or wrong. It's just the environment that we're in and the programming that we have. And I'm going to go back to something that you said. Does this programming serve me? Right. Because there are some programming that to this day still serves me on my belief system. I, I, I believe that there's somebody that's a, as much as that people feel like that there's chaos going on right now. I still believe that there's somebody that's still in control of everything that's going on. You have to pay attention to the chess pieces on the board to understand what's going on. And that takes that's a little right. awareness and a willingness to reflect yeah. on things around us. Um, I think it's imperative, not just for kids, but we talk so much about what's been happening right now with race relations and riots and, and, and police brutality and all these different things. But before you all get distracted, we had a pandemic that took people's jobs out. And so now I'm sitting at home like, that's, that's bad that all that stuff is going on right now to people, but I still got to feed my family and I don't know what the next move is. And we, we can't forget about that piece. And so it's important for people to understand now more than ever, you're going to need to find a mentor. You're, need, you're going to need to focus on finding your purpose and you're going to need to get clarity around the next moves and then release the fear and release the understanding of how to do it and just do it. Um, yeah. Because I'm telling you, 2020 has been a beast when it comes to forcing people to deal with things and to become aware of things that they have put aside for a long time. That's right. Yeah. I mean, if you're not reflecting now. Yeah, you'll never. Yeah. You're never going to. You're never going to do it. You sure enough right about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dr. Tom, I want to ask you one technical thing, and then I'm going to ask about le leading builders, building leaders that go out. Mm -hmm. um, I've never really talked to someone um, on the Charter Scott side of uh, education. Mm -hmm. um, talk to the audience about what leaders, building leaders are doing to make the sale, right? Um, that this is what my passion and purpose is, and this is why I believe in it. And uh, because of the forced um, exit from the brick and mortar schooling to virtual learning to online learning, talk about where you might see this going as a new model for education, say 2022, 2025. Yeah. So you know, I worked in traditional public schools as an exceptional children's teacher, and I worked in charter schools. Okay. The main difference between the traditional public school and the public charter school was one thing, clarity in their mission, their vision, and their goal. Okay. The charter school is a single entity, just like your business, just like my business, right? It is a, it is a business model. School districts are businesses too, they're just bigger businesses. Charter schools are lean and mean. They have to abide by the same laws in terms of serving all students, giving the same tests, and following the, the, you know, the same health and the safety um, laws in your state. There's not that much difference. There's a lot of noise out there that they don't serve food and they don't serve, you know, they don't have transportation. That's not true. They do. Um, just not at the level that a district has to, right? And that's not really necessarily important. The key is, though, what a charter school has the ability to do is to turn on a dime. So when something like COVID hit, I mean, I told our school, you guys were built for this. You're mm -hmm. so new. You know exactly what your education plan is, what students need to learn. You have great relations with your families because they already choose you to come here. Right? It's a choice to come to a charter school compared to a district school. It's where I live. Right. I, this is where I go. I get a card and I, and I go there. Right. So they were built to be able to be nimble and adapt and adjust and overcome, you know, to get there. Mm -hmm. um, the struggle is, you know, for a lot of charter schools is that leadership is hard <laughs> and school leadership is really hard and yep. you know, teaching is hard. It's all hard. I mean, right. if it were easy, you know, I mean, everybody be doing so every school would be great. Right. So I, I said to the schools, and I'll say this to any district school or private school, and I don't care what school you go to, it doesn't matter to me. 
get really clear on who you aim to be as an organization. Mm. Right. I got 700 on my SATs, David. Mm. I went to an amazing high school, amazing, rich, affluent, so many. Like I know that now my awareness is now that God, I really did not take advantage of my opportunities. Yeah. It didn't stop me because I couldn't take a test. Right. I, 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 I stopped me. I'm the only thing that can stop me. So I think schools need to understand that is be really clear about when you leave our school, you're going to be great at X, Y, and Z. I don't care what it is. It could be anything. It could be yep. project-based learning. It could be really organized. It could be your, you know, good at communication. It don't matter. Be great at it. Be really, really great at it. And be very clear about, you know, because then all those things that come to distract you, like, nope, sorry, not in my purpose. Nope, sorry, that's a great idea, but not for us. Yeah. School districts have a hard time with that. They're constantly inundated with legislation and things that they have to deal with. So it's hard for them to shift. Charter schools, it's not. So that's why I choose to work with charter schools mainly because, you know, he, you know, David, we could start a school if we wanted. Yeah. You know, you and I, we could start to, you know, how, you know, how, how to be a real estate agent, how to be an entrepreneur. Like we could just start that school and go. So we can make decisions, right? And I can partner with you or, you know, and, and you know, we can work. Compared to if I was with a district, there's a lot of levels I'd have to get to and relations that I'd have to push through. And it's not saying that I wouldn't with work with them. I want to help them. I want to help all kids as much as I can. But the charter school is quick and nimble. It's a small, small business. So back to your maybe most important question is, what do they do? There was just a survey out that said like 40% of parents, right, are are thinking, rethinking homeschool or virtual school as an option. Mm -hmm. They're afraid. How can a school protect my kid? Right. Mm. Most research is showing right now that schools are not, you know, spiking, you know, the coronavirus, um, you know, in the East because schools are open over there. But if I'm an organization and if I'm not thinking about potentially losing 40 percent of my kids, which is a lot of money. I mean, every kid is a dollar sign in a school. They all have a value because that's that's how the school gets paid. I need to be really, really thinking about evolution of my organization and how I'm going to stay within those my mission purpose and goals, right? That never changes. Right. But how am I going to serve in a remote, hybrid, blended learning? Who can I partner with? Who's out there who can help me be a strategic partner and a thinking partner? We just spent a long time talking about modeling, like who's out there doing it really well. So what our team has done is I've gone out and I was like, hey, K-12 is an organization that, gosh, they got like thousands and thousands of kids that they provide virtual learning. I've been bringing them into our sessions, be like, teach them how to do pretty good virtual learning. Like we've got to learn from the people that are already doing it. We can't figure it out on our own, right? <laughs> you need that model and that mentor. So that's what schools I think should be doing, finding organizations around you or across the globe. Uh, we, we brought in a school principal from Australia who opened up their school. And I'm like, hey, talk them through. How do you get from here to there? And we're going to check back in with you in two months and tell us how it's going. Like we're finding mentors across the globe to help us have a better plan so we can have the best first day of school ever. Um, I so, yeah. I'm so glad you said that, because if we're not looking in the Eastern Hemisphere, um, we are selling ourselves short. And that is in anything in building a business, building a website, uh, building a family, uh, whatever it is. We do not have the corner market in the Western Hemisphere on ideas that can help us transform lives. That's right. And, it, and that's where everything comes from. Right. I mean, I'm all about great ideas. The best idea wins for me. I don't care. Yeah. It doesn't have to be my idea. I might be a little hurt that it wasn't my idea, but I'll get over it. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll somehow find a way to say it was my idea because that's just my ego. And uh, but yeah, yeah I mean, you, you should be learning from everybody around you, even the people that fail a lot. Mm -hmm. You can learn from them, too. Absolutely. Them. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. Leading builder, building leaders, where can they find you? Um, and one piece of information that they should know about Tom Miller that you can uh, share that will help those that will be watching. Yeah, sure. So you can go to our website anytime. It's lbleaders.com or just, you know, Google search leaders, building leaders. 
And, um, you know, we aim we aim to support schools and from all the way from the board all the way to the students. And we provide leadership training and coaching and strategic thinking and support. We write grants. We write charter applications. I mean, we aim to be the Amazon for uh, charter schools when we first you know, kicked up the business. That was kind of my vision. And then I realized, oh, that's exhausting. So now I've surrounded myself with charter school vendors who do those things, you know, legal and benefits and right. So you got to have good strategic partners. So, so that's what we do. Like I, if I don't know the answer, I will find someone that I have vetted that I trust that I would put in front of you to be able to help you solve that problem because being stuck stinks. I know I've been there and schools are challenging. It's really interesting, David, like these charter school boards are like brilliant people. Like they're, they own their own businesses, they're CEOs, you put them on a school board and it's like they get penalized. I'm like, <laughs> if your business was like 500000 over in a budget, what would you do? Oh, we put operations and staff. Then why am I here? <laughs> it really comes down to that school mentality. Like, well, it's a school. Can we do that? Yes. All schools are businesses. Everything needs to be run strategically sound nowadays, and you need to be always designing to the edge, right? right. Create the image that you want and then design on how to get there based upon your best thinking or someone else's thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, because the same level of thought as you know that created the problem can't be the same level of thought that solves the problem. You need to bring someone else in there to help you. And that's what we do or we go help you find someone to do right. that. Uh, Dr. Thomas Miller, uh, thank you so much. Leading Building Leaders, you guys go check uh, Thomas out and the great work that they're doing. Tom, thanks so much for your time, man. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, you too, Dave. This 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 was a lot of fun. Thanks again for everybody in the group. Yep. Good. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for your time. Uh, the post will still be up. If you have any questions or thoughts that you'd like for us to, to hear or to share, uh, we'd love to have you engage with us. Uh, this is about you and about the Guiding Heroes community. Thanks again, Tom. Thanks so much. Everybody have a great day. Take care, everybody. Be safe.